We often sit around and think, what did we do with all of that free time we had before? I can't even imagine having that much free time now. And money. And money. (laughs) It's so like strange when we do have a chance to have like a date night and go go out to dinner somewhere in the evening, which is like never. But when we do, like you it's so strange to like walk around and be like, oh, like these people just go, they can go out and do this whenever they want. Yeah. <laughs> they're just sitting, they're just sitting down and just drinking and have chatting and doing stuff. It's like, oh, that's that must be nice. <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Juggling Joy podcast, the show for parents who know the juggle is real. I am your host, Karen Jane DeWitt. For the first time ever on the show, I got to sit down with a married couple, Jamie and Derek Phelps. These ex-Austinites tell us what motivated them to move to Colorado to parent their now five-and-a-half-year-old son. We discuss the struggles of managing fight or flight when our kids yell at us, and how a little perspective can help you love the phase of parenthood you're in, no matter how frustrating it can be sometimes. Derek is a comedian known for having a sense of humor drier than a Texas summer, so grab a tall glass of iced tea and enjoy the show. As always, thank you for listening. So welcome to the show. I have my first couple interview Derek and Jamie Phelps. How's it going? It's good. First, just tell us a little bit about the two of you, where you live, and your child. We live in Fort Collins, Colorado. We moved here about two years ago, mostly for our son. The schools are better up here. The weather is better. We have seasons here, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. Kind of a, kind of a a new start in many ways. Yeah. And you move, and just to be clear, our listeners could be listening from anywhere. So I'm in the Austin, Texas area, and that's where I knew you from. So that's where you guys moved from to Fort Collins, Colorado. Correct. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And before, when I was living in Austin, I was a musician and stand-up comedian and had had done some put together some shows comedy shows and did a lot of music and touring and stuff and then let's see timing wise my father passed away and then and then we moved and I decided to start something else so started to do coding and website design that sort of thing and landed a job not quite doing that but in the same kind of world so I talk to developers all the time and I'm actually doing stand up tonight, which is kind of weird. Very uh, nice. I don't, I don't do it very, very often, but tonight for sure. Yeah. And when we met, which has probably been, gosh, maybe 12 years ago at this point, I was in grad school. I had just moved to the Austin area and I was working in a nonprofit specifically focused on behavioral health. I worked in that sort of part of job for about 10 years. And then I transitioned into tech as well. And right as I was transitioning into tech and working remotely is when we moved. So 
timing wise, everything and lined up pretty nicely. And it was definitely a goal of mine to move out of Texas since I was from there. I'd want, always wanted to live outside of the state, at least at some point in my life. And this area just seemed like a good fit for our family and for our son. And so we made the, made the big jump right sort of at the tail end of COVID. Oh, right. I forgot about yeah. that. Happened. <laughs> How can we like forget? A lot going on at that time. So thankfully, when we got here, we were able to get connected into a really great community through our son's school and have a great neighborhood with lots of kids for him to play with. So it's been a, a good move for us. So it sounds like you've mentioned a few things, one being new jobs, job, job opportunities, mm-hmm. better schools. And what else kind of prompted you to, to, to move that direction? Not to get too deep into it, but obviously the, the political climate in Texas wasn't really conducive to what we were wanting for our future and our family. So we were looking at that as, as a, a reason and also access to nature. Access to nature in Colorado is great. There's so much public access and biking trails and hiking trails that are right outside of our door. So there's just a little bit, it's a little bit easier to have a healthier lifestyle. Definitely. <laughs> right now I'm roasting. What is, what's the temperature there? Uh, like in the seventies. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, that's really nice. Right oh now. my God. Sitting what? out on the porch with a nice late breeze having Ooh. lunch. So it's only 98 here. It's been <laughs> over a hundred every day. It'll be over a hundred later. I'm sure. Yeah. We've been watching the weather and thinking about you guys for sure. <laughs> so I know Derek from comedy when I first, you know, many years ago, I tried my hand at stand up comedy. It wasn't for me. I'm more of an improv kind of girl, but I did happen to meet him at an open mic. And then I met you whenever I was teaching some pie baking classes and you guys came over and did a pie baking class at my house. And that was before you guys, I don't even think you were married yet. You didn't have kid, a kid yet. Uh, I think that I had just had a baby. My son was still a baby, not even a year old yet. So I'm interested to hear from you, you know, how has life changed for you in these past five-ish years? Not really. hasn't changed at all, right? Everything. (laughs) We often sit around and think, what did we do with all of that free time we had before? I can't even imagine having that much free time now. And money. And money. money. It's so like strange when we do have a chance to have like a date night and go go out to dinner somewhere in the evening, which is like never. But when we do, like, you, it's so strange to like walk around and be like, oh, like these people just go, they can go out and do this whenever they want. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just sitting, they're just sitting down and just drinking and have, chatting and doing stuff. It's like, oh, that's, that must be nice. <laughs> do that all the time. Yeah, no oh, one's but, life is hanging in the balance and it's their responsibility. For- and the last time we went out, woke up, you know, it's, we try to like time the, the date for kind of after bedtime, just because sometimes it can be hard for somebody new and I don't know how it's going to work out. It's like, okay, we'll get him like pretty much in bed and then we'll go. And then like, he woke up at some point and was like, oh, geez. So I guess we have to head back. <laughs> and then we get back and he's still up. It's like, geez, Louise, dude. <laughs> can we can you I think it's he's I think he's 
he knows he's trying to like terrorize us. <laughs> like almost, if you look at, at parenting through that lens, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> the kids are terrorists. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think that Michelle Obama actually said that. Oh, well, she got <laughs> and it. <laughs> I'll have to ask her where she got that from, but she has a podcast too. And she said that, yes, being in a parenting relationship is like being, is they're like terrorists because they, they're always negotiating with you. They're always threatening you. It's kind of toxic. And like, you don't really have a choice in the matter. Sometimes he drops bombs. <laughs> <laughs> the worst times. <laughs> Does he drop F-bombs? Oh, he hasn't, has he done that yet? Uh, think, oh, kind of. Yeah, maybe once. Yeah, he chooses other, because I think it's because he knows that it, like we haven't played it up that much, but he knows the right ones, the right curses to use to like get the, get a, a reaction, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so hard play. not to react to when they do that. It's, yeah. You're, you're supposed to just be kind of like, let it blow over and not draw attention to it but sometimes it's so hard yeah yes especially if you're out in public and other parents are staring at you <laughs> no son that is a wrong word to say <laughs> <laughs> it is funny too like we're not like word police or anything like that as parents but I know other parents that sometimes these dads are just like dropping f-bombs everywhere and i'm like and and mf bombs and i'm like i'm not a prude or anything but your kid's three like i don't know like before i had kids i was like ah oh, words but yeah. now i'm a little bit sensitive to it i'm like i don't want my kid walking around like he's from talladega nights or something you know what i'm saying like it's <laughs> yeah it changes some kind of innocence you know What's the, what's the age at which you think you'll be like, okay, he can, he can curse now or I can curse around him. For me, I would say once he understands when it is and when it is not appropriate and can control those urges. Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, like, cause there has to be some play and experimentation with that to like sense for like when it's the right time and stuff you know yeah that's hard the conversation in our house is like these are words that grown-ups can use and if you're going to say these words you can't you absolutely cannot say them at school or around your grandma because <laughs> yeah. that's really his only world right now man those teachers they catch everything definitely I mean we've gotten reports from school before where it's like you know, you should talk to your kid about using the B word or whatever. And it's like, he's never said that before. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it was, it's like, he was probably just saying like bench with a bad accent or something, you know. In my son's first, probably first month of kindergarten, we got a note sent home that said he was, no, that he was using the middle finger. He was like flipping people off. Oh, geez. We're going to get that. Yes. And I was like, he has never seen that. He did not get it from us. It's not something that we do. We don't watch adult television around our kids. This is something that he picked up at school. If something's really, really serious, but nobody got injured, she will send something off the record on a post-it note. <laughs> and we have them on our fridge because they're usually really funny. 
and it says <laughs> he used the middle finger multiple times and when I asked him to stop he said my parents don't care if I do it at home I was like excuse <laughs> we don't know about this let alone condone it so I sent an email back to the teacher well at first when he came home from school, you know, we had a very big talk about this. And it was like the first thing out of his mouth when he walked out of the school was like, middle finger, this and that. And he was like, I don't know which finger is the middle finger. And I right. was like, okay, so you just don't know which one you're supposed to point with. And he's like, yeah, is which one's the middle finger? Is it this one or this one? And so I was like, okay, maybe he's just misunderstood. And then next day, teacher comes back. He's doing it again. I'm like, what is going on? So we never really solved the mystery. We don't know <laughs> if he was flipping people off or where he even learned that, but we know he has a slight obsession with the middle finger. <laughs> our, our son also always uses the middle finger to point rather than his pointer finger. So I'm constantly trying to like adjust his finger and say, actually, can you point with this finger? Because I know we're going to get this in the future. And there's going to be a teacher who thinks that he's flipping them off. Exactly. But like you said, I'm like, he's never seen that. So yeah. I know unless, yeah. of course, he picks it up at school, which is possible. Yeah. I suspect what happened because my son points with his middle finger too. He, mm -hmm. he pointed it with his middle finger. One kid flipped out a bunch of other kids piled on and then one thing led to another and the teacher's like, they're all flipping each other off. Hi, Joy Jugglers, Karen here. Has juggling life as a parent left you with little time and energy to focus on you? If it feels like you've lost yourself in the hustle and bustle of daily responsibilities, it's time to treat yourself to a full hour of personalized coaching. In one-on-one -on -one coaching, you will experience space to breathe, clarity on what's truly important, and unrelenting support. I'm a certified professional coach with a passion for helping busy parents like you more effectively leverage their internal and external resources. I'm also an ally for queer parents and welcome you to show up to coaching just as you are. Schedule your free visioning session with me today at karenjanedewitt.co. And as a little summer treat, if you book before July 31st and decide to work with me, you'll get 15% off coaching for as long as we work together. Now, if you're used to putting yourself last, it may feel scary to take the leap, but there is nothing to lose and there's no cost to check it out. Just go to karenjanedewitt.co to book your free session. I love that, that part that's not here yet, really, is like what he gets from the other kids. It'll be interesting to see how his interests change and all that stuff, you know, not necessarily swear words and middle fingers, but just like he's obsessed with Godzilla and King Kong, but mostly Godzilla. And so he, <clears throat> Jamie got him a Godzilla magazine that he loves and he'll, he'll look at it all the time. You know, it's like the history of Godzilla. And uh, he, one day he came home and he, we went to, to do a play with one of his friends outside and he went back inside to grab his magazine to show his friend he was like look at this and I was like oh yeah he's never had that experience before and now that other kid's gonna be obsessed with Godzilla and like yeah cool I would say the that was the quickest change when he started kindergarten 
was pop culture awareness. Like he oh, knows yeah. all of these things that we don't know about Minecraft. And he's never seen Minecraft, Mario, all mm. of those things. And sometimes I have to look up what he's talking about because I just don't know. They really inform each other about what's what's cool and hip to that age group. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the fashion will come next. We're expecting he's going to be a goth kid. Because ever since he saw Darth Vader, he wanted to be like, like dressed like Darth Vader, all black stuff. So I'm, I'm expecting that'll be a thing. We'll see. I'm hoping to get the goth phase over early. And oh, then yeah. he can move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Get it over early. I like to talk to parents about living multidimensional lives. Everybody has all these different aspects of themselves. You've got the parenting side of yourself, your create creative part of yourself. You've got your career. You've got your social life. You have all of these kind of buckets that need to be filled up. And I'm just curious for the two of you, how you kind of help each other fill each other's buckets together and separately. One, a bigger challenge for us is that because we don't live near any family, our help is pretty limited. But one of the ways that we help each other is by giving each other nights off. So for example, tonight, Derek's going to go do comedy. I have a book club that I do once a month. So I get a night out with my friends and I go and, and to a restaurant and hang out and do that. And we cover each other when we want to go to the gym. So we're really good about giving each other our separate things to do. But the thing I think that's hardest for us, and it's mainly because of our situation, is getting that time together. But we do try to whenever we can get the child care. When you do go out, what do you do? Usually go to dinner or we'll go see some live music. Go to a movie. Go to a movie. Yeah. Yeah, we used to go to movies all the time before, before the kid. Yeah. So we do it a little... We haven't watched a whole lot of movies at home because it's like, that's a chunk of time, you know? It's like, do we have two hours at the end of the day to fit in a movie? It's more like maybe 30 minutes or a couple 30-minute things, and then... We tend to go to bed pretty early. <laughs> How early does he wake up? This morning, about 5.30 a.m. Yeah, <sighs> sometime between 5.30 and 6.30 is pretty average. Did sleep till like... 7 30 was that last weekend it was eight he slept That's till eight wild. he was also taller when he woke up so I think he had a <laughs> spurt that night so every now and then he'll give us a, a sleep-in day and then on the weekends we rotate we each get a, a sleep-in day so we can <laughs> just lay there and relax and the other person takes care of morning routine I love that you give that to each other it's a little gift of not having to jump right out of bed and get to work. Yeah, I think it's it's really a good idea because it each gives us a morning and on the weekend to just relax and decompress and take our time because we spend the whole week just like you said, rushing and getting up and you know, getting everything ready for school or camp or whatever the activity is that day. So I think it's nice to have a more relaxing pace at least once a week. Another thing that I talk about is having phases of your life. It can be so hard to remember that you're in a phase of life when you're in the middle of the rush 
of all the responsibility. So looking at your life in these phases, what would you call this phase of your life? I was going to say intense. It's been a very intense five years. I feel like we've had our heads down and really been focused on surviving it. We've put so much of our mental, physical, and emotional energy into making sure he's okay. And I do see us entering a slightly different phase as we start kindergarten in August. So I'm looking forward to having a little bit more balance. And I'm already starting to create some more balance so that we don't completely burn out. How are you creating that balance? What does it look like for you? I think taking more time on physical and mental well-being and making sure that I'm in a good place so that I can be in a good place for him. I would characterize them as a higher level of need than maybe average. So it takes a lot of our emotional and mental energy to be the parents that he needs us to be. I also have to take good care of myself physically and emotionally to be able to, to be that for him. So taking more time to go to the gym, taking more time to meditate, taking more time to go do something with a friend and take a break and handing off to each other whenever we're in a more intense moment. If we're starting to not be in our best place, then I think we're pretty good at taking over if the other one is struggling. We are, I think, naturally better at communicating, oh, I'm not, I'm like kind of in a bad mood today. You know, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever it is, which helps give, give the, other, the other person some expectation about taking up the slack or whatever. What was that quote? Is it Brene Brown? Yeah, I think it was Brene Brown. I, I was listening to her recently and she was talking about how parenting is never 50-50 because you're never at 100%. So as a couple, you're constantly sort of balancing the scales. I'm at 60% today, you're at 40%. So I'm going to take on a little bit more and vice versa. And I think that we're very good at intuitively communicating that to each other. Like I am at my limit today. I need you to handle the evening routine and I'll do the dishes so that I'm not having to be the primary caregiver right now and vice versa. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Having that communication and making your needs known. Yeah. People can't read your mind. So you really do have to say it out loud. So you said that you feel like you're entering into a new phase. What are you hoping for the next phase? I am hoping that all of the groundwork that we've laid in the last couple of years will help our son have a little bit more independence, a little bit more confidence and start to build skills where he can do more things for himself and feel more confident in the, in the world so that he's not depending on us as much for all of that emotional and, and physical stability. Yeah, I really do wonder, you know, you talk about phases and stuff, that one of the hard things with me was early on, and it still ends up being a problem. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine the next part, you know? So you're in this thing and he's acting this way and you get in a routine of almost everything, you know, a routine of how you interact 
and how you react emotionally to things. But then he moves to another phase. He grows, he gets a little bit sharper, whatever it is. And it's hard to like key into that and move with him. So there's always a lag. We got to change the schedule or whatever it is. But I do wonder sometimes, do parents get stuck, stuck in that fate and they don't know how to get to the next part, you know? Yeah. Like the parent is not adapting to the changes that the child is going through. We've had some trouble with some emotions getting getting like balled up and not moving on to other emotions. So he gets Mm -hmm. like caught up in his anger or caught up in his fear about stuff. And so we work a lot on how to deal with that and what he can do to calm himself down. But I wonder about other kids that are teenagers and still getting into fights and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay. They just didn't learn how to deal with that. I know that you guys are really dedicated parents and have sought out resources to make this easier for you. Do you have any recommendations for books, courses, classes, podcasts, anything that you guys have found helpful? Yeah, so we have been seeing a play therapist for about a year that has been really helpful And also we spoke to his primary care physician about a lot of things and he was really knowledgeable and helpful. So we'll share some stuff on Instagram. The mom psychologist is pretty good on Instagram and it'll be like helpful little, little tips, you know, what to say instead of no stuff like that. There's the big one for me is like, I caught myself the other day saying, good job. That's just an automatic, like, that's what my parents said. Their parents probably said that sometimes he brushed his teeth by himself. Good job. It's like, well, he practiced, you know, so there's more to that story. It's not just like an approval from me and there should be more to it. So that that was one thing about my mom's psychologist that I liked. Pointing more toward the fact that they learned something and that they practiced it until they perfected it kind of thing. Yeah, help them help them kind of tell the story about their day instead of just like that is a good thing that you did or you're a good person or you're smart or whatever. That's yeah, it's more it's more an appreciation for the process of learning than just the outcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also making sure that they're aware just because something doesn't come to you right away super easy doesn't mean you can't do it. Sometimes things take practice and we just keep trying and doing our best and I know I would, growing up, I would always feel super discouraged if I didn't get something immediately because I thought that meant that I just wasn't good at it. But as I got older and actually became good at those things, I realized I just needed to practice them and and do them in a different way. So trying to build that level of understanding that you can keep trying and keep working on something. Right. For my son, whenever he is not good at something, I will tell him, did you know that mommy didn't used to be able to ride a bike? Mm -hmm. And he, every time he's like, really, you didn't know how to what? And so I'll tell him, you know, yeah, I look at this scar on my knee. I fell down. I hurt myself really, really bad, but I got back up and I really do have a huge scar on my knee from riding a bike on gravel. And so I think For them to see that we are not perfect, that we weren't just born knowing all this stuff and that we know how to do everything, that we also were little kids and we had to learn too, Mm -hmm. makes it so much more 
relatable and puts it into perspective for them. Yeah. That's a great idea. You know, he had a lot of anxiety, still does, about summer camps. I don't think that's totally unique to him for kids, but I think it was before that first summer camp, he was like, I don't want to go and stuff. And I just told a story about my summer when I went to summer camp. I peed my pants and I got to shoot a bow and arrow and got to make little crafts and ate popsicles and everything I could remember about the that experience. And he, he was like, oh yeah, okay. Kind of helped him to to get some perspective and expectations on what was going to happen. From a trusted source. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think they did any of that stuff that first camp, but he felt better about it. It got him through a few days anyway. Yes. The first time I took my son to the movies, he also relies very heavily on information. He gets really nervous doing things for the first time. So knowing this and knowing that he's also pretty sensory sensitive, I laid it all out for him. I'm like, okay, we're going to buy our tickets and then we're going to go sit in a dark room and we're we're actually going to go potty first because once the movie starts, you can't pause it and it's going to be really loud and it's going to be really bright. And we're, I'm going to be sitting right next to you the whole time, you know, and I, I laid every detail I could possibly think of about going to the movies to him, what we were going to eat while we were doing it, what was going to happen right before, how we were going to leave. You know, I could see his little wheels turning and then he goes, how do you know so much about the movies? <laughs> <laughs> I was very flattered, but that helped him get through it. He didn't have to ask all those questions or hold them internally. I tried to answer all of them preemptively so he could just enjoy the experience. And it definitely worked for him. <laughs> how do you know so much about the movies? <laughs> Like, yeah, before you were born, I went all the time. (laughs) Used to be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really like a uh, reality of growing up and thinking of your parents as giants, as like smarter in every way and more complete. They're up on pedestals for everybody. Well, for a lot of people. And nobody's perfect. I don't know what I'm doing. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. You know, day to day, it's always different. And I, you know, I don't know how to be a person all the way. I'm still growing. and But growing up, my dad was, I didn't realize until pretty recently that my dad wasn't, you know, he wasn't as great as I thought he was. Pretty great. But like, he had his flaws, you know, he had his, there were things and both my parents had stuff, you know, Yeah. just people. And they also had lives before you were born. That kind of blew my mind that both of my parents had lived many, many, many years, decades before I was born. Like how, but your whole world is me. I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like you were all born at the same time as a family unit. Yes. Congrats, you've almost made it to the last segment of this episode of Juggling Joy. I just wanted to pop in and say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You could be doing so many things with your time right now and you're choosing to be here with me. That means the world to me. This show is so much fun to create and I hope to be able to do this for a long time. If you'd like to support the show, there are several ways to do so. Just pick your favorite one. You can send this episode to a friend, Subscribe on your preferred listening platform or leave a five-star review. 
You can also become a supporter of the show for as little as 99 cents a month by going to the show's page on podcasters.spotify.com, which is also linked in the show notes. If you hate this show, do none of these things and have a great day. How do you feel you've been stretched the most from parenthood? Patience. I thought I had a lot of patience before, but I've had to develop a whole other level of patience in order to be who I need to be for him, for sure. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I thought I was patient. (laughs) And like that whole fight or flight thing with when an adult is yelling at you, it's like, oh, we're in a fight. Almost every day he's yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> Asking me for things like, why aren't you giving me the, the snack? I want a snack now. No, I don't want that snack. I want this other one that I that I hate. Yeah, that's a whole thing. I didn't see coming at all. Being patient in those circumstances. And I think sometimes it's viewed from the outside as, oh, you're just a pushover. As a parent, why aren't you telling them what to do or controlling your kid? And I think that what really is happening is in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, here it goes again. But outwardly, I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about this at this level. Even though you're yelling at me, I'm not going to yell back. That's pretty hard. Yeah. Well, and what you're doing is modeling the correct behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't exactly teach a child not to hit or not to you know, we're not going to scream. We're not screaming. We nobody screams in this house, you know, while you're screaming, you know. Right. <laughs> Although I totally understand that reaction. Yes. <laughs> it takes practice to learn to model all of that stuff, but I think it's worth it. And what advice would you give for parents who are struggling with a high needs child or living in a place where they don't have a lot of family? I would say on the last point, it's been really important for us to build a community where we are. So we have some neighbors that we can depend on and we have some friends nearby that we can call if we really need somebody. And then on the other side of being the parent of a higher needs kid, I would say don't be afraid to reach out for help and adjust your expectations. I think going into parenthood, I had all of these preconceived notions and expectations about what it was going to be. You don't have, you don't know or have control over who your child is. They are born as they are, and you'll need to be the parent that they need you to be, not the one that you had envisioned in your head as this like ideal version of yourself as a parent humility (laughs) and (laughs) just not being afraid to to ask for what you need I think yeah what I've learned there's no shame in reaching out and getting that help yep exactly yeah and also it's not straight up this hill it's it's up and down up the hill you know there are regressions and he's going to forget how to do stuff and you have to you have to constantly remind or you have to like go back and start over again. And that's, that's okay. You know? Yeah. What they're struggling with tells you what they need more help with. I think 
rather than feeling like it's a reflection on you or something being done to you, the way that's been helpful for me to frame it is, okay, he's struggling to regulate his emotions. That tells me that I need to give him more guidance in this area. And we really need to focus on, you know, modeling how you regulate yourself, talking about what you do when you feel angry and rather than viewing it as something that I'm having to, to deal with uh, more of a view of this is what he's telling me he needs from me right now. Right. And then it's not like him giving you a hard time. It's him having a hard time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. Is there anything else that you guys feel really passionate about as far as parenting goes or your how to preserve your relationship as parents? Work as a team, not against each other. Don't get caught up in comparing who's doing more that day and communicate a lot because it's an, especially my only frame of reference is the first five years, but it's an intense period of your life and you're going to need to work together to get through it (laughs) that's kind of always been our motto you guys are doing a really great job no thanks even though i you're not supposed to say great job (laughs) (laughs) we're working really hard i acknowledge all of the hard work and dedication (laughs) and progress that you guys have made in this area of your life thank you Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Any last words before we go? You know, over the last five years, I started drinking coffee, like more coffee. I never really drank coffee that much. And then you have a newborn. It's like, oh, well, I have to stay up. You know, you drink coffee. Now I love it. But I also started eating more bacon and more fried chicken sandwiches and more cheeseburgers. And, and somebody recently made fun of one of my pictures. They said, that looks like you're expecting, you know, that was me that said that, but it was still like a wake up (laughs) call. Like I need to, I need to take care of my health a little bit more. So be prepared if you don't have kids yet and you're expecting kids to just like, you know, keep that in in mind. It's like, your physical health is important to you. Yeah. When, once you have a child, bacon and coffee are irresistible and you must have a plan to curb <laughs> the effects. Yeah. Just don't go. Here's a big heartfelt thank you for listening to today's episode of Juggling Joy. You can follow the show on Spotify to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Karen Jane DeWitt. I'll see you around. Thank you.